this is the talk that you really came for because this is going to be some, some tips and some guidelines on how to become an effective public speaker because now that you have gone through the other 16 presentations, so, so that when you go back to your, uh, your home that you can hopefully take these PowerPoints and you can get up and, and do these presentations. And so I'm going to give you some, some, uh, some guidance, some oversight. This is not going to be all inclusive, but some things you can do to be an effective public speaker. First, number one, know your material. You got to know your material. You want to have more in your head to say than you have time to say it. Sometimes I struggle with that. But it's true. Have you ever been to hear a speaker that gets up and they may have, and then they say something and then they're like at a loss to what else to say? They don't know what, what, what comes next, and, and it is not comfortable for them, and it's not comfortable for the audience. So, know, and, and the other thing, know what you know, and know what you don't know. That's not only for public speaking, I'll tell you, that's the difference between a good doctor and a great doctor. The good doctors know what they know, but the great doctors also know what they don't know. So they don't try to treat the things they shouldn't try to treat. So know what you know. And so what that, what that, that means, it's okay if somebody in a question and answer time asks you something you don't know, it's okay to say, you know, that's a great question. I'm going to have to go study that. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to have to research that. I, I'm really not, I really don't have an answer for that right now. It's okay not to know. Don't be afraid of that. Many public speakers are afraid to get a question they don't know the answer to. It's okay not to know. So know what you know, know what you don't know, but know your material. Also, work on your demeanor and presentation. If you're anxious, you will make your audience anxious. Have you ever gotten up front and a speaker gets up? I've seen, been an audience speaker gets up. Good, good, good morning. I'm really, really glad to welcome you here this morning. You know what I'm doing, right? But doesn't it make you uncomfortable when you can tell that person's really nervous, not just acting nervous? They're really nervous. It makes you uncomfortable. So if you're nervous, your audience will get anxious and uncomfortable. You will then perceive their discomfort. And what's that going to do to you? Make you more nervous, which is going to make you less able to stay on topic. You're going to freeze and not remember what you're going to say, which is going to make you more nervous, which is going to make them more uncomfortable. It's a real, it's a real, I've been in circumstances, not as the speaker, but as the audience member. <laughs> no, that's not really true. When I, something else I'm going to tell you guys, you know, you're seeing me doing this program after more than 20 years of public speaking. The law of exertion, remember the law of exertion? Do you want to get better at something? You have to practice. Okay? You're not seeing me do my first public program. You would have, you would have been un going uncomfortable in the audience with my first program. You'd have been stressed because I, would, I was anxious and stressed. With my, I, I used to get butterflies in my stomach and my, my hands used to get sweaty. You ever had that happen? Well, that's how it was for me when I started. Very much so. And so um, I can give you another, uh, it's not in this notes, but when you start, start with a friendly audience. I started with my home church doing some talks or a sermon or, or a pres short presentation at my home church where I knew everybody already, small church, 100 people. Okay, some of you are going, but that's the most dangerous place. 
Well, I had a friendly home church. They liked me, okay? Back then. <laughs> but your anxiety level. So really work on your demeanor, your presentation, uh, your style. Be confident, be relaxed. If you're relaxed, they relax. And as they relax, you, you actually feel more free to be yourself and, and to express yourself, and everybody enjoys the program better. Uh, tips on relaxing. Yes, that, that some of these are coming through here now. Okay, um, be excited and passionate. So one of the things, if you are excited and passionate about the um, program, rather than nervous and anxious about the program, um, rather than feeling obligated to do the program and you don't really want to do the program, so have passion and excitement. Also, tips will be moving. Now, this is a little neurobiology here. Okay, when you activate your love circuits, anterior cingulate cortex you calm your fear circuits. So if you can, in your heart and mind, get in this focus, I love these people and I want to share something that's going to help them. Put the focus on the audience about you're, you're there to help them, to bless them, to give them something that you think could be beneficial because you love them, that will activate your interior cingulate cortex, will calm you. But if you focus on, I hope they don't think that I'm, I'm a bad speaker, I hope I don't mess up, I hope I don't stutter, I hope I don't get something wrong, then you're focusing all on yourself, which will flame up your amygdala, you'll get more anxious. So one way to, to do that would be to, in your minds, get your perspective that you have something you want to share to help the people rather than you're there to be judged or viewed or examined by the people. Be excited, be passionate. Practice, here's another one that helps you. Practice multiple times. If you're new to public speaking, practice multiple times alone. When I first started public speaking, I would spend hours and hours and hours making the PowerPoints, which I made. These PowerPoints, don't you love them? Okay, I will tell you that I, I made the data on the, the, the data, but Dean made the actual slide imagery, the, the background. I don't know if you noticed the slide imagery, but there are clouds. Do you see the clouds in there? Okay, and, and there's a sunrise. And so there's a, there's an un, there's a little imagery of, of the, the sun of righteousness rising with healing. It's kind of built into the slides. It's very beautiful. Dean did all of that and, uh, and orchestrated the slides in its, in its visual. I put the content on the slides. So, you know, have, you know, so, so putting the content on the slides is not the same thing as being able to present the slide. And many people will say, okay, this is all good content. It's laid out. It makes sense but they never actually practice presenting it. Once you've got the deck present, um, prepared, turn on your computer or your projector at home and stand there and actually do a presentation to the wall. I used to do that. Before my public speaking, I would practice those programs multiple times until I had the progression in my mind on how the program would unfold. And I knew uh, what was coming and what the next bullet was, and so I uh, wouldn't be stumped or frozen. Oh, what was, that? what was I supposed to say at this point? Oh, I forgot. Oh, well. and, and, and then as soon as you do that, you immediately tense up and the audience knows it. You've seen that happen, right? As you get better and better at it, um, and do more and more of it, you will have to practice less and less before you do a program um, like this. But, but in the beginning, I would tell you, practice a lot. And then after you practice by yourself, you can get some family and friends together and practice in front of your, your family and friends. That, that can help you. And, 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 and eventually, you're going to practice in front of an audience. 
know your audience. This is another thing. Know who you're talking to. Before you do the presentation, inquire. Who are these people? Are they doctors? Are they lawyers? Are they teachers? Are they church members? Are they scientists? Are they believers in God? Non-believers in God? Are they, are they Roman Catholic? Are they Adventists? Are they Methodists? Know about your audience. Because as you know the audience, you can take the same material, but it can be shaped and it can approach them from different places that will actually help them identify with the material. I do this all the time. Same material, shape it to the audience so that they can understand the truth. So know your audience and then adjust your presentation that's appropriate for the audience. Speak their language, in other words. Are you speaking to Christians or non-Christians and different denominations and so forth? Tricks to getting started. Uh, what I mean by starting, starting out the presentation. If you're new to public speaking, it's often beneficial to have a podium. Do you guys notice I didn't have a podium? But if you're new to public speaking, the podium can be a great aid because it can help steady you. You can walk out, and one of the things people do when they're nervous, they can put a hand on the podium. And the hand on the podium, you don't have to be behind it. You can be beside it, but hand on the podium, it steadies you. It gives you some sense of confidence. It keeps you from shaking. It really does. And when I first began, that's what I would do. I'd walk out and put my hand on the podium, and it just, it just steadied me. So that would be something very simple to do. And as you get more confident, you, you won't need the podium. I like to move a little bit when I, when I uh, present, so I don't like the podium. It's kind of in my way. And then oftentimes as you start, it's to, to connect with the audience, you can tell a short, short, short personal story. And the reason why, one of the things that will give you confidence and one of the things that will undermine your confidence is your perception of whether you're the expert on the topic. If you were to get up to give a lecture to a group of professors um, at a university on some topic that's their specialty, you might be anxious about that. But if you were getting up to give the lecture and you're the professor and it's a bunch of students, you might be less anxious about that. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. So telling a personal story, you're the expert on your story. There's no one that can say, well, that's not your story. I, I, I really know what happened there. Okay, so you can feel very confident that you are the expert on the story. So starting with a short personal story can help you feel confident, can set that, that tone, that demeanor where you're more relaxed. It needs to be a short story, though, because you want to get into your program, and it needs to be somehow relevant to where you're going with the program. It can also help you relax and just get in. And most of the time, those, those initial public speaking nerves last for the first three to five minutes. And once you get past the first three to five minutes, you settle down, your amygdala calms down. And so not only do you want to make it short and relevant, you want to memorize it and practice it many times. Okay? Because when you first walk out, even though it's going to be a short, relevant story, you put your hand on, if it's a big audience or you're really nervous, you still might be tempted to freeze and not be able to freely think and ad lib. And so if you've practiced it over and over again, it becomes rote and you do what you've trained yourself to do. And so even though you're really stressed and frozen, you just start in with that story that you've practiced so many times you don't have to think about it. And by the time you finish this story, you've relaxed and can move into your program. So it's a real effective tool in helping you get your program started. If it, if it happens to be a little bit of a humorous story, and I don't mean a joke, but a story that could be, uh, cause the audience to identify with you and maybe chuckle, that relaxes everybody too. Read as little as possible. 
You know, there are some places in my programs here, Bible quotes, um, the Isaiah text a little while ago, where I read them. But most of my slides I have not read to you. Have you been to a program when a person just reads the slides? Those are destructive programs. Seriously, that, do you enjoy those programs? No, don't do that to people. People, people will tune you out. They will, and in this day and age, if they have to be there, if they don't just get up and leave, they'll pull out their smart device and start doing something. They will leave. They will. If you don't engage them, they have so many other ways to tune you out if you are not engaging them. So don't read your slides. The bullets, and what, if you've noticed how I've done for this entire program, there's a few places where I wanted to read a reference because it was salient and relevant, and I wanted you to know this wasn't my opinion. It, had, it was a biblical or scriptural source, so I put it up there, and we read it. But the vast majority of my bullets are simply reminders to me about the concept that I'm going to share with you. As you're preparing, record yourself. Some of you are going to hate this. And you can record yourself, video, and I would tell you to do the video. If you can't do video, certainly do the audio. Record yourself practicing your program and then watch the video. You will cringe. <laughs> you will. I did. Many times. And I recorded myself, and I listened to myself, and it was through doing that that I heard myself doing things that I didn't realize that I was doing while I was speaking. And having done that and cringing, that negative emotion of cringing made me sensitive to watch for it while I was speaking, and slowly I eliminated some of those mannerisms or behaviors or, or words or things like that, eliminate things like um, you know, you ever been in a program where they go, you know, um, and uh, you want to speak clearly, you know, and every so often uh, you, you, don't, you, you don't want your bullets to repeat, you know, and have you, have you ever been in programs like that? Oh, don't you want to pull your eyeballs out or your ears out? Okay. I mean, really, it, it becomes painful. Okay. So, so this is where the recording can help you, that you record yourself and you will identify certain little things like that, that you're unconscious you're doing. And then watching it, you'll see it, and then you practice again, and you're focused on eliminating that. And after you practice enough times, you basically eliminate it 98% of the time. But every once in a while, it, it, it's inevitable that a little um or something will slip in once in a great while. It's no big deal. But you don't want that to be the, the way you speak in and out, okay? You want to identify those and eliminate those. And that's how you do that. Speak clearly, pronounce words precisely, um, articulate appropriately. So, so don't, don't do your program where, where you talk like this and, and you're you know, mumbling. It's like a soft, quiet voice. And have you ever been to a program where, where people, you know, they, they really have good things to say, but what they're saying is, is uh, so soft because they're, they're soft-spoken and, and they don't want to be intrusive and they don't want to overwhelm you. And Do you see... Do you see, how painful would it be if I did my programs for you this weekend with, with, with all of this? In fact, you can't hardly stand that little bit of it, can you? Okay. If I gave you the exact same content that I gave you talking like that, uh, you guys would not have enjoyed it as much. In fact, I don't think you all would still be here this morning. <laughs> Seriously. No, but, 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 and that goes back to voice practice. When I was a freshman in college, um, one of the requirements, you have to take an art class of some kind, one hour of art, and I took one hour of voice lessons. It was very helpful. I don't sing, but it taught me how to use my voice. 
and that using my voice has been incredibly effective and helpful for me in public speaking. And some of the same techniques a singer used to protect, project the voice, a speaker uses to project their voice. And so I, I learned how to use my voice properly. And, and you might want to consider, um, and I'm sure in this day and age, you can probably watch a couple of YouTube videos to teach you some techniques on how to use your voice. So if you don't feel like you have a voice and, and you want to use a voice in such a way that you can project and, and modulate the tone of your voice so that you can emphasize not just the words, but you can be heard clearly, um, you know, People who talk with a, with a voice that is like, like I was doing a minute ago, but they're really not using their diaphragm. They're not resonating off of their hard palate. They're just kind of talking from the throat, and that's all they're doing. It, 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 it's very difficult to follow those people. So learn how to use your voice. Speak clearly. Don't mumble. Learn to tolerate silences. This is one of the hard ones for me, believe it or not. When I first learned how to, and this is what, this, this intolerance for silence on this, in other words, this intolerance for silence is what leads to the ums and the you knows. So though, that's connected. Those two are connected. It is okay to say something. Pause, gather your thoughts, have a moment of silence. It was, that was a very, that was probably one of my most difficult ones to learn to tolerate the silences. It's okay to have periods of silence in your program. And I actually got feedback from many of you. How many of you have, have followed some of my programs before this weekend? Okay. How many of you recognized how much slower I talked this weekend? <laughs> see, see, even I am getting better with practice, right? So, so no, it's true. I was, I was pausing and taking periods of silence, which um, was okay with me. I was at a piece with it, but it gave the audience time to <clears throat> think about and catch up or process some of these ideas. And, and I was told by multiple ones of you came up to me, you really appreciated those pauses. <laughs> and nobody has said to me this weekend, which I get almost every other program I've done, that it's like trying to drink out of a fire hose. <laughs> nobody said that. Because I gave the pauses, you actually got time to, to digest a little bit before we went on to the next. So, so learn to tolerate the silences. And so maybe because I knew I was going to give this lecture, I, it, it reminded me that I needed to do that. Modulate your voice, no monotone. I had a professor in, at university um, <laughs> teaching world history, of all things, that literally talked like this. Today, we are going to be talking about the, Rome, uh, the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire began in, in a, and it was never modulation, it was just complete monotone for two hours. So, so modulate your voice. And it's that voice modulation keeps people engaged, emphasizes uh, various um, emotional connotations that you want to emphasize, draws people in. So mono, and then practice, practice, practice practice. Physical presentation, dress appropriately, and that dress will change depending on your audience and where you're at. If you're at a camp with a bunch of youth, you might actually have uh, shorts and a khaki shirt on or something. If you're at a business meeting, you might be wearing a suit and tie. If you're in a church, uh, etc., cetera, uh, dress appropriately to your audience and know your audience. And if there are any cultural things, dress appropriate not to, be, not to bias the audience with your dress. Make eye contact with the audience. Have, have you felt like I've made eye contact with you? Yes. yes. 
Uh, do you feel like I stared at any of you? Made you uncomfortable? That's an important point. Uh, you, when you make eye contact, you make eye contact, but you shift your eye contact. You don't stay looking at one person the entire time, okay? Because that makes that person feel very uncomfortable. Right, Ruthann? <laughs> okay? So, so we don't do that. We, we look, and if you're, and if you're uncomfortable, some people that are new, new speakers, um, they have a hard time doing this because they're still worried about their own presentation and they think the person's looking at it and they don't want to make eye contact because it makes them... So you actually don't actually have to actually make real eye contact, believe it or not. You can simply look at a point in their direction. You can look over their head. You can look at the corner of a table. You can look at a camera uh, that's out there. Anything out there object, you just look that direction. From the audience perspective, it makes them feel like you're looking at them and it connects with them. And then you just shift and look another direction, and you shift and look another direction. But you don't actually have to make eye contact with individual people. So, and, and the audience members uh, won't, won't really perceive that at all. They'll, they will feel like you've been looking at them, and it connects with them when you do that. You don't want to turn your back to the audience and talk by looking at your slides. And, uh, you know, no, you want to dress appropriately, and then you don't want to do this. And so... I've, had, uh, I've been at programs where, where a speaker has had their back to the audience much of the time. Or they sit and just stand like, the audience is here, slides are here, and they sit here and just go through their slides and they just look at their slides the entire time. You ever been to a program like that? Yeah, those are not engaging programs. Don't do that. One of the things that will help you do that will have a great team like this team here that we've had, audiovisual team, who brought this amazing monitor for me that I'm able to look at. And so I can see my slides. If all of you don't know, there's a monitor right here in front of me that has my slides. You really want to prepare ahead of time as a public speaker, talk to where you're going to be doing the venue and ensure you have some means to look at your slides. Now, this is like the gold standard right here. And because Common Reason is putting this on, we have the gold standard. But I go many places where I'm invited to churches and stuff, and they don't have this. It's very difficult. My next option is, well, let's plug my computer in near the front, and we'll run my computer into their projection system. And my computer can be on the floor, can be, and I can just kind of glance down and, and see my uh, slides and, and don't have to turn my back to the audience. And, and that works. Or, but sometimes they can't do that. And the only thing they have, they have the slides that are directly behind me. One screen directly behind me right there. And that's all. And I don't have it. And then if that's the case, and you'll find yourself in that circumstances, then you talk to the audience, you pause. If you have to look at your slides, you look back and then pick up your talk. But you don't talk while you're looking back this way. Because uh, the interaction is the communication with your audience. So it's okay to look back if that's the way the system has done you. <laughs> and it does it sometimes. Um, but, but then you, your goal is to stay engaged with your audience. Don't fidget. Have you seen people do the... Uh, You've seen that? You know, this is the spider. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, really, body posture and your, what you're doing matters. <laughs> but, but the fidgetiness goes back to the, also the, this, this, the voice tone and your overall demeanor. It will connote anxiety and make your audience feel uncomfortable. So try not to fidget. And that's where if you, if you have that fidgetiness because you're nervous, that's where the podium can come in and anchoring yourself on the podium can reduce fidgetiness. Yeah, don't put hands in pockets or ring hands and things, that type of thing. Now, visual aids. I already mentioned these slides we're using, and I think that they've been incredibly, I'm just so thankful to Dean. Do you guys think the visual aids have been great here? Yeah. So, do you notice how, I, I believe all the slides have been easy for you to read, not too busy. So you don't want to make busy slides. You laugh. I have been to medical programs where the, the, the professors have had slides that look like this. Seriously, I have been to them. Any docs in the room seen this? It's like it's a worthless slide. Why are you even showing me that? It, that's not good for anything other than to show me you don't know how to prepare a slide. So, so don't, don't, don't make your slides too busy. Um, don't make slides too plain. You see, plain slides are boring. They won't hold your interest. They're uninspiring. They can be actually distracting. They show little imagination. Suggest you didn't put much effort into the program. So learn to use your software program, your presentation program. We're using PowerPoint. And, uh, and these were developed and, and put together. But understand the capabilities and what they can do. And don't, would you prefer these slides like this? No, this is not. Uh, it, the other slides are so much more enjoyable, aren't they? And then don't use weird or difficult to read fonts. <laughs> don't overuse animation. <laughs> you see, I mean, this happens when people are new to speaking. They get excited. Oh, this is a cool font. This is a cool animation. And they want stuff flying in all over the place. To, <laughs> It's distracting. <laughs> Visual aid should aid, not distract from the presentation. That's, that's their point, to aid you. Remember, you are the primary person. You're the source of information. The visual aid is to aid you. Sometimes also new speakers want to do all this on the screen because they're hoping the attention of people will be on the screens and not on them because they feel anxious. No, no, no. That's an aid. You want the attention on you, not because you want to be the center of attention, but because you're the person imparting critical information. So you want them to connect with you so you can impart critical information to them. So you, do, you want this to aid you, not distract from you. <laughs> and then you can have something like this up when it's time to take questions. And, and, and we will take, we're gonna to go to question answers after your roundtable discussion.